How many of you know that's why we're here? Amen. Everyone say, He is risen. He's risen just as He said. Turn to two passages this morning. I want to give you two thoughts. 1 Corinthians 15 and John 20. 1 Corinthians 15 and John 20. Now last week, you know, we talked about the, the death barrel, uh, the death and the burial of Jesus, the cross. And I want to tell you, if you missed last Sunday, I want to encourage you so, uh, to go back and listen. Uh, we talked about the plan of God for, for Christ. How many of you know, as soon as sin entered the world, God developed a plan to bring man and God back into right relationship? And it was the cross. He paid a great price. We talked about the pain of Calvary. We talked about the price, the fact that he had to pay for us with his own blood. But then we talked about the power of the cross. How many of you know uh, the cross has great power to overcome sin? And so that was last week. I encourage you to plug in, get involved if you missed last Sunday. But of course, this morning, we're going to talk about the... It's Easter. Let me try again. This morning, we're going to talk about the, the resurrection. Everybody say, up from the grave he arose. The old hymn says, with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from a dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, and if you were the, you could really sing, hallelujah, Christ arose, amen, and he's alive forevermore. Are you in 1 Corinthians 15? If you're there, say, I'm there, pastor. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just tell you, it's not just a religious belief system. It's actually a historical fact. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so, uh, but from that day until this day, there's been confusion and conflict about the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you go to one of the Gospels, you remember the, the, the soldiers went to their uh, superiors after the resurrection, the guards who were guarding the tomb. How many of you know when the resurrection came, they fell down like dead men. They were uh, almost eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But they went to their superiors and they contrived and they concocted a story that someone uh, came while the guards were sleeping, which would cost them their life, by the way. Uh, and they conspired and they, they developed this lie that while the guards were sleeping, someone came and stole away the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And from that day until this day... There's been conflict and confusion and a cloud over the most significant event in the history of humanity. And that's what the resurrection is. Both past, present, and future, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most significant and important historical event in the history of all humanity. That's why the enemy has tried to lie about it and cloud it and cover it and undermine the validity of it. Yet there still remains this eternal truth that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Sadly in America, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has been watered down to the point of possibly an Easter bunny or an Easter egg. And listen, we're going to have an Easter egg hut today, but listen, we do not teach our children uh, that that's Easter. That's just something, you know, we, we do. But let me tell you something. We need to teach our kids the clarity of the gospel. That is, Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later he did what? He That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody say he rose from the dead. So when you ask your children today, in fact, hey, you want to you put yourself on the spot? Put your children on the spot. Ask your children, what's Easter all about? And if they start talking about eggs and bunnies, you've got some work to do. Are you with me? Say amen. 
In fact, I'm, I'm not a proponent or an opponent of Bill O'Reilly, but he has a guy on his team called, uh, I think his name's Jesse Waters, and he goes out on, on the, the town and he asks people things. And this past week, he sent Jesse, it's called Waters World, he, it, it just ask people about Easter and what they thought. I want you to roll that beautiful bean footage. you got to see this. This is what's wrong with America today. Back in the book segment tonight, Waters World's Holy Week for Christians. Easter Sunday, just three days away. But how much do non-religious folks know about Easter? We sent Waters out to find out. You know what holiday it is this Sunday? Memorial Day? Passover? I'm terrible with this. Father's Day. That makes three times. Easter. Very good. What do you like to eat on Easter? Um, candy. I'll probably maybe order something from uh, Boston Market, maybe. Barbecue. Ham. Roast beef, boiled beef, broiled beef. Who's this? Moses. Ow, do the thinking. Jesus. Watch your mouth. It's a representation of Christ, I guess. What do you think about him? The beard is back, man. <laughs> this is Jesus. Really? Yes. What's wrong with you? What do you mean, what's wrong with What's wrong with you? Who's this? That's the Easter Bunny. Do you like the bunny? Yeah. yeah. Easter Bunny. Yay. What are your feelings on the bunny? I have no feelings on the bunny. <laughs> Honestly, the Easter Bunny's kind of scary. So if we could replace him with maybe, like, a puppy. Why do you celebrate Easter? Because of that's the Jesus Christ was born. What are you going to do this Sunday? Not a thing. I'm not part of that scene. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Are you going to celebrate Easter on Sunday? Oh, probably not. So no Easter Bunny? No egg hunts for you? Stop it. What are you going to be doing this Sunday? Oh, this Sunday I'll probably just do some more laundry. Finally, it took like two hours. I've heard of it. I'm Jewish. I, I've heard of, of this Easter. Who does Easter involve? Oh, God. Microphone's cutting out on us. What happened on Easter? I'm honestly not really sure. He either rose or he died. I don't know. Jesus rose from the grave after three days. Someone rose on Easter. Who was that? I'm sorry? The rising of Jesus Christ. Very, very good. What does Easter signify? The beginning of a new mom opening the womb. What does Easter signify? Jesus dying for our sins. And you have a lot of those. Yeah. Where did Jesus die? It is 9 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Jerusalem? You are running the table. I think Rome. Final answer. <laughs> Our Bible teacher's watching us right now. <laughs> you guys so are in I trouble. Where did Jesus die? They crucified him on Calvary, the Mount Calvary in Jerusalem, I believe. Excellent. He was crucified as the story goes. As the story goes. Right. You're not buying that? What does the Easter Bunny have to do with Jesus? He brings all the eggs. So, uh, Jesus laid them. Ah! Is the Easter Bunny in the Old Testament or the New Testament? I would have to say the Old Testament. Alrighty then. Alrighty. Um, Waters, and this is my world. Happy Easter.
Come on, make that coffee to go. Let's go. So go over, Joe. Somebody say, Lord, help us, Jesus. I'm telling you, we got a problem in America. We got a problem. You say, no, we don't have that in the Bible Belt. That's Union Square. But let me tell you, uh, you just ask your kids, ask your neighbors, what's the meaning of Easter? And you're going to come up with this kind of stuff. I promise you, there's a culture crisis, and it's been happening. Hey, it's been happening since Jesus Christ rose from the dead. In fact, in Paul's day, when Paul was preaching, if you're 1 Corinthians 15, let me just read this to you today. I'm going to read you some scripture. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you were saved. Everybody say the gospel. Now, he's about to define this gospel that caused us that by way of we are saved or born again. By which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you. Somebody get ready now. Here comes the gospel. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Everyone say, Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That, my friend, is the gospel. That's the good news. That's how people are born again. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a key note. In fact, the most significant event in the history of all mankind that you and I cannot be convoluted about. We can't be watered down about. We can't be confused about. We can't be in doubt of. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead validated who he was and provided each of us the opportunity to have new life as well. Because you see something, we all know this. In fact, uh, uh, Brother Waters busted one of the girls and said, you got a lot of those too, don't you? What was he talking about? Sins. We all are sinners. We're all natural born sinners. We were born separated from God and we have a problem. There's a sin problem that Jesus Christ came to take care of and that is the sin problem. He did that through the gospel. He came, he was born, he lived a sinless life, he died on a cross uh, was buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he did what? He. That's the gospel. Everybody say, that's the gospel. Your children and your children's children need to be able to tell you. When you ask them the significance of Easter or ask them what the gospel is, they need to be able to tell you. That's the day we celebrate where Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Are you with me? And so that's the resurrection. That's why we're here today, and we can't be convoluted. But in Paul's day, they got, there was those question marks again. You remember the great uh, you know, cover-up began right after, on that Easter Sunday morning. Uh, it began with a conspiracy to, to spread the story that they came and stole the body away and that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. If you look in verse 12 of chapter 15, you see it happening. Now, if Christ has preached that he had been raised from the dead, how do some of, among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If, in fact, the dead do not rise. If the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Now, hang on, Paul's going somewhere. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then also those who have 
fallen asleep in Christ or have died in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are among all men most pitiable, or King James says most miserable. But verse 20, he gets to the kicker. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. Somebody say amen. Paul comes back and he brings clarity to the reality that Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, I don't care what you say, think, or feel. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. In fact, uh, there's, there's always been, and especially in Jesus' day and on that first Easter morning, there was great evidence of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Number one, the stone was rolled away. Somebody say, the stone was rolled away. And I'm telling you, it was not a little stone. If you study that, uh, in fact, the Greek there is mega. In fact, uh, where's Clay, Clint? They're there. They remember this message years ago back before we were in here. I preached an Easter Sunday message called Big Stone Still, Big Stone Still Rope. And that stone was probably a millstone that weighed 15 to 1600 pounds. And the fact that it was moved, in fact, what were the ladies who came to prepare the body of Jesus? Number one concern, who's going to move this thing? Who's going to move this stone? Because, uh, you know, Passover came and they couldn't prepare the body of the Lord. That was all God's plan. Uh, and so the fact, in fact, one Hebrew word says where it was taken away. It's like how a ship sails. It just, it just, it just rolled away. The stone was rolled away. And then the Roman guards, they, hey, the fact that they uh, fell down dead and, and left the scene. In fact, the, the Bible says they paid them money to, 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 to tell this lie because the reality was they could have lost their life. They could have had the death sentence for leaving their post and allowing such a thing to happen. There's evidence. The, 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 the earthquake. Now, it, Matthew 28 says there was a great earthquake. And let, 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 let me tell you, it wasn't just at the, at the grave of Jesus. I just have a feeling everybody in all of Jerusalem uh, felt the earthquake of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. In fact, I've been to Israel. How many have been there to see uh, what uh, historians and many people believe is the, the tomb of our Lord? Jan went with my wife, others. Uh, listen, I, after being there a few times and looking, and there's a lot of uh, real evidence that that probably is the actual tomb of Jesus Christ. Uh, there, you can't say for sure, uh, but I just happen to believe that. One of the cool things is there is a crack in the rock that goes right down to the place where the stone would have been uh, and signifying a great earthquake. There's just evidence. Everybody say, he's risen just as he said. In fact, I didn't read it to you, uh, but they're eyewitnesses. In fact, Paul says this in chapter 15. He says, uh, he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Cephas, that is Peter, then by the twelve. We'll read some of that or you'll hear about that in a moment. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. There were eyewitnesses. How many of you know you got to have eyewitnesses to validate? Validate that something actually happened. This is not just circumstantial evidence. Jesus Christ rose from the dead just as he said. Now you think about the Marys. In fact, let me just throw this in, put a little pause. You read 
all the gospels, different accounts of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they all have different little aspects and insights. And if you read one and then read the other, then what about this? When you put them all in a big pot, it makes all kinds of sense. So don't let that throw you. Uh, you know, one, one gospel only talks about one Mary, then there are two Marys. And so don't let that, that's just one person's perspective. And so, so I love Mary. She came, they came to the tomb and they were, they were weeping because the body was gone. And they, they loved their, their Lord and they wanted to prepare His body. And they were weeping there. And the, uh, one, one of the Gospels says there was a big angel sitting up on the stone that had been rolled away. You get the picture. And, and he, they asked this question as well as Jesus later. He said, why are you weeping? He said, why are you weeping? And he's not here. He's risen just as he said. Everybody say, he's alive. I love Matthew's account. This big angel standing on there. Matthew 28, verse, oh, I think it's verse 6. It says, he is not here. For he is risen just as he said. Everyone say, he is risen. And then I love what the angel says. He says, come here. Let me show you the place where Jesus lay. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and, and got Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know that the scripture he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stood down and looked at the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said, Rabbi? Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed him his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. 
And when he said this, he, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Amen. I want everyone to say this. I want you to say the resurrection changes everything. It really does. That's what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians when he said, if Christ is not risen, we're just playing a big game here. But Christ is risen from the dead. And our preaching is not in vain. He's alive forevermore. And he lives today. In fact, when you look at this, uh, this uh, uh, John 20 and you begin to look through the eyes of these that experienced that first Easter Sunday, you'll realize that it changed everything for them. And this morning, I believe if you'll embrace the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you'll begin to believe in a greater way that up from the grave He arose, it'll begin to change everything in your life as well. And there's some things in all of our lives that need to change. How many of you can say today, you know, Pastor, I'm a believer, I love Jesus, uh, but there's still some things in my life that need to change. I'm telling you, the more we embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, the more we embrace the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that because He lives, we can live also, it'll begin to change everything in your life. I think of Mary Magdalene. This is what I see about her, and really all the disciples. But let me tell you a couple of things, that, that when you embrace the reality of the resurrection in your life, and you begin to experience the resurrected Christ in your life, even as these did on that first Easter Sunday, you see, even though, in fact, what did, what did the Scripture say Jesus said about uh, to Thomas? He said, blessed are those who, you, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe even though they have not seen. Look at your neighbor and say, that's us today. If you'll be a part of that elite crowd who can believe in the res- death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God can do great things in your life, and things in your life can begin to change. Number one, this morning, I want to show you this. Uh, when you embrace the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it transforms our sorrows into joy. Mary was sorrowful. They were weeping. The disciples were sorrowful. It says uh, they were they were sad. They were brokenhearted. Their Lord had been crucified. They had been endeavoring for the last three dra- days to try to uh, figure this all out. And for three days they had been under the under the, the the dark cloud of sadness and sorrow because of the 
crucifixion, the painful crucifixion of their Lord. And then the Mary and the other Mary comes to the tomb and, and the body of Jesus is gone. And the angel says, why are you weeping? I thought about that this week and I thought, you know, from the angel's perspective, they couldn't figure that out. Why would anybody come to the empty tomb and be weeping unless they did not believe? And she was weeping because the body was missing. But we know the story. In fact, in Matthew 28, the Bible says this about Mary. It says uh, she went out, they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Let me tell you today, when you embrace the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it'll cause the sorrows of life to lose their edge over you. And in this world we live, listen carefully, in this world we live... It is at best salt and peppered with good times and then some extremely hard times, bad times, sorrowful times, times of loss, times of pain, times of agony. But I came to tell you today that the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection is no different today than it was over 2,000 years ago. He can look into the, your heart of hearts and He can look into the pains of your life and the, pardon me, the resurrected Christ can walk into your life and all of a sudden, listen carefully, your sorrows turn to joy. That's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life. And my prayer over us today, my prayer over you today, is that you would begin to experience the joy of the Lord in your life because you know this life is not all there is. If in this life only we have, uh, uh, you know, uh, peace, uh, then we're among all men most miserable. We have an eternity with Christ. A couple of few days ago, we were in Olive Garden with our ministry team. And we just had a great time. It was just a time of fellowship. And, and we were just loving one another. And I, I always try to minister to our waitresses and waiters if I can. And they were experiencing the love of God with us. And in fact, people had already in our group, I, I, were tipping them just without, before we're even done and blessing them. And I sensed all of a sudden we're in a God moment with those girls. And I began to pray. And one of the little girls, that, and in fact, I wish she was here. Is Alexis here? I don't know. She may have to work today. We tried to get them to come, but you know how those waitresses and waiters are. They have to work on Sundays a lot. And, you know, she seemed all bubbly and happy. And, and in a little bit, we're about done with our meeting. She brings in uh, some other ladies, some other waitresses, said, can you pray for this girl? I'm telling you, the waitresses want us to pray for her. And we began to pray for him. She had this woman had lost everything. She was living out of a motel, and she was she was sorrowful and sad. We prayed for her, and then I asked little Alexis, who seemed all bubbly. I said, "Do you believe God speaks to people for other people?" She said, "I do, I do. I believe God speaks to other people to help other people." And I said, "I want to tell something about you. I want to talk to you." I just spoke an encouraging word that even though she smiles on the outside, that on the inside she's camouflaged misery. And all of a sudden, tears began to roll down her cheeks, and she began to realize, "Oh my goodness, God wants to show up in my life and turn my sorrow into joy." Woo! There was another little gal in there. She said, oh, I believe, I believe. 
You see, Jesus wants to walk into your life. The resurrected Christ wants to walk into the sorrows of your moment and bring joy in the middle of sorrow to birth something that was not there to cause you to begin to realize it's not over. In fact, my life has just begun. I'm going to live with Him for all eternity and there's nothing in this life that can keep me from the reality that He rose from the dead so I could have a brand new life. Amen. Woo! He turns our sorrows into joy. If you're living that mundane, broken down life that is always grieved and battered and bruised and scarred, the resurrected Christ wants to give to you what Paul the Apostle said, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Mary went away. With great fear, not in like she's afraid, but reverence for God. And she was filled. Her sorrow was turned. She left with great joy. Amen. When we left Olive Garden, those ladies had great joy in their hearts. Because they got a little bit of Jesus. A little little bit of, of, of Jesus from some church folk. Amen. The resurrection of Christ changes everything. It transforms our sorrow into joy. And number two, it transforms our doubts and fears into faith. That's what happened with Thomas. Thomas wasn't there the first time. And so he said, I'm not going to believe till I put my hands in his, in his side and in the nail pierced hands of, uh, nail pierced hands. And eight days later, the resurrected Christ walks through the door without opening the door. And basically, here's what Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Listen today, the resurrected Christ will change your, turn your fear into faith. Where you began to believe and trust God. In fact, you need to understand something today. That that's the way we are born again. Is through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Embracing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that died. Jesus wasn't just a good man who lived a good life. He was the son of God who lived a sinless life. And he died on a cross. And three days later he rose again from the dead. He really did. And I believe that. Romans says this. Romans 10. It says this. It said if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God did what? That he lived a good life? No. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus was a, was a miracle. No, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That, my friend, is why the, re- <coughs> pardon me, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most significant, most important event in the history of all humanity, both past, present, and future. Because without the belief and the faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we're all men most miserable, we're still in our sins, and we're on our way to hell in a hurry. But because of faith, and today I want to encourage you to embrace the truth of the gospel, embrace the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without that, my friend, you're not going to go to heaven. But with the, with the confidence and trust in the gospel that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later he rose from the dead. If you have faith in that, you are born again. Now, are you with me? Say amen. You see, the resurrection turns our doubts and fears into faith. Number three, the resurrection transforms our failures into successes. I love that. 
Let me ask you this question today. Anybody ever failed at anything? I know at least half of you did because probably half of you are divorced according to the statistics. Are you with me? Somebody said, now preacher, stay away. Don't you get in the middle of my business. Well, you're, you're among friends because statistics, at least half of you have been divorced. All of you, we've all failed at something, right? Listen, the resurrected Christ, come on now. He can turn your failures into successes. You know what happened in John 21? There's those, uh, those fishermen again, Peter and the guys. They went back to the only thing they knew to do. They're back to fishing, and they're not doing good at that. Jesus was always walking up to them in the middle of a bad fishing day. That's how Peter met the Lord, and this is the resurrected Christ meets him again on a bad fishing day. They caught nothing. The resurrected Christ from the seashore says, hey, you caught anything yet? No, we hadn't caught a thing. Uh, and, and then they began to realize this is the Lord. And Jesus said, cast your nets over there. And, and, and they did. And they brought in a net breaking boat sinking load. He turned their failures into a success. Now let me tell you something today. The resurrected Christ. I came to tell you today. It's not over till God says it's over. And just because we failed at something. Let me tell you what that makes us. Normal. That makes us just sinners. Just because we've stumbled and fallen and made mistakes, that just makes us human. You listen, there's not one perfect person here in this place. There's not one person this morning who hadn't fallen on their face and failed at something miserably. And 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 many of you may be today, you carry that with you day in, day out, and you're under the gun of guilt and shame and, and trouble and trauma because of past mistakes and failures. I came to tell you that the resurrected Christ wants to walk right into the middle of of your failure and turn it around and make it something good and right and whole. He can do a miracle in your life this morning. He's the Lord. Amen. Somebody say a bigger amen than that. I'm telling you, I would have amen myself right there if I could. Some of you are living a life of failure. You're living a life where you look at your past and it keeps you from your future. Because all you can do is dig around in the past and dig around in the pain of the past. But I'm telling you this morning, He can make something beautiful of your life. little chorus we used to sing says, Something beautiful Something good, all my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful. Of my life. Amen. He can do it for you. He can make something beautiful from your life. He can take old dead things and make them alive again. He can turn your failures into successes. And number four, He can transform our mess into our message. Now Peter was a mess. If you remember just before the crucifixion of Jesus, Peter arrogantly looked at the Lord and, 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 and Jesus prophesied to him before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. He says, there ain't no way. 
He said, yes, it's going to happen. You need to understand that before the rooster crows in the morning. You're going to deny me three times. And he said, that ain't going to well. I'll never deny you. Before the rooster crowed, he had denied the Lord three times. And the Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. He was a mess. Broke, broken man. Arrogant. He was humiliated by his mistake and his arrogance. If you read in John 21, I won't read it there, but the resurrected Christ, after they made him a meal, Peter, Jesus began to minister to Peter. And he said, do you love me? And Peter was humiliated and humbled. And he said, I do, but not the way I think I need to love you in order to do what you... He said, well, just feed my sheep. Three times he asked him the question. Three times he gave him the honest answer and the... And, and Jesus said, that's all I need to know. I just need to know you, you're honest here and you know where you are. Feed my sheep. And we know the story. That on Pentecost Sunday, just 40-something days after the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit falls down, falls down upon those disciples who Jesus had told to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And on Pentecost Sunday, just a, just a month and a half uh, uh, back, where Peter ha had been, had, had been a, just a mess. It became his message, and he gets up and he clearly and boldly and, and, and fully and, and, and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, and thousands of people are born again. And you read the letters of Peter, and you'll find that God turned his mess into a message. In fact, Peter says, we need to be submitted to one another. The younger need to be submitted to the elders. and We need to be submitted to God. He said, humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. He'll lift you up. Where did he learn that? He learned that at the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead just a few days later. And then on Pentecost Sunday, that if you'll just humble yourselves, that if you'll, if you'll just allow him in, he'll turn your mess into a message. Amen. Finally, this morning, where we're all here today, I want to tell you this. He'll transform the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Transform that which is dead into that which is alive. In fact, that's, about, that's you and me. In fact, interesting thing about what uh, lyrics so wonderfully read, John 20, a few moments ago. Uh, uh, John the Revelator, John here in this gospel was according to Scripture, Jesus' best friend. And he knew him as good or well or better than anybody. And, and uh, he was John the Beloved. And, 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 and it, he would not write this letter. He wrote this letter in the third person. In fact, if you were listening, it says, And the other disciple, speaking of the, uh, the, 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 the tomb there, when they went in, Peter and John, uh, they ran to the tomb. Uh, Peter, uh, it doesn't say anything about him, but it says the other disciple saw and believed. John, all he needed to see was the empty tomb, and he believed. 
Thomas had to see him with his natural eyes. Mary didn't believe until he walked up into the middle of her life, into the middle of her heartache. And Peter, I'm not sure where he began to believe. And the other disciples, maybe when Jesus began to show himself alive from the dead. But John, when you read John, you'll find that John had an insight about this resurrection that the others did not have. He saw it and he believed. And he began, and if you read the letter of John, and we all need to read it. In fact, uh, Lyric read this about, Uh, in the last two verses and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that believing you may have life in his name and so when you read through the, the Gospel of John, you see this understanding about John catching it. There's some things that Jesus said that none of the this other disciples or the other four Gospels record. John 10.10, 10, which we're going to look at next week. He said, I've come that you might have what? life and have it more abundantly. John knew that Jesus could turn that which was dead into that which was alive. In fact, he records the story of Lazarus and John 11 being raised from the dead. And what does Jesus say when he walks into the middle of their sorrow and their heartache? He says, you need to understand this. You need to know who you're talking to today. When he said, roll away the stone and and open up the graves for Lazarus, they said, he's been dead four days. By this time, he stinketh. He said, you don't know who you're talking to I am I am the resurrection and the life he who believes on me though he were dead yet shall he live John understood something about what Jesus can do he can bring that which is dead back to life Whoo! in fact John eleven twenty five 25 records that and then he records this that no other gospel records Jesus said this in John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God except through me. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, can speak into that which is dead and bring it to life. Listen, let me tell you where we all are without Him. We're all dead and on our way to a devil's hell. Spiritually dead, not physically dead, spiritually dead. And the Bible says that when we accept Christ and we invite Him into our heart and we believe that He died for us and was buried in a barred tomb and He rose again the third day and we have faith, the Bible says when we put our faith in Him, He breathes life into us. In fact, that's what the picture of baptism is all about. It pictures the new life we have in Christ. Romans 6 says, you're buried with Him through baptism unto death. And what? Come on, and what? Raised to walk in newness of life. Let me just say this as we close. Some of you need to be raised from the dead. There's people here who are lost and without Christ. And I want us today to stand to our feet on this Resurrection Sunday and ask ourselves this very important question. Do I know that I know that Jesus Christ lives in me? And do I live the resurrected life? Let me tell you, wherever you are today, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, can walk into your life and He can touch that. He can heal that broken heart. He can turn that sorrow into joy. He can turn your fear and doubts into faith. He can turn your life's failures into a success. He can make your mess and transform it into a message. And He can breathe life into your soul that is lost and dead. 
without Christ. Let's bow our heads before God today. In the next moment or two, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and you have a moment, an opportunity before we walk out of these doors and live our life however we choose. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, on Easter Sunday, I want to put my trust and confidence in the resurrected Christ. I don't want to live a life of fear and doubt. I want to know that I know that I know Him. I want Him living on the inside of me. I want to experience that new life that only Christ can give. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just give me one more moment or two. I want every believer praying right now that those that are here today that have never asked Christ into their heart, never yielded to the the truth of the gospel, would find themselves standing before God with an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, yes, on this Easter Sunday, I just came because of the invitation of a friend or a family member, or, or maybe I just came because that's what you do on Easter Sunday, but I know today that I need Him in my life. I know today that I've never believed the gospel that Jesus died for me and that He was buried in a borrowed tomb and that He rose again, and today I want to put my trust in the finished work of Christ. If that's you, or to my left, or to my right, or here in the center, if that's you, and you can say, Pastor, please pray for me today. Please lead me to Jesus. I want to know that I know that I know Him. If that's you today, wherever you are, lift your hand up high and say, that's me. I want to know that I know that I know Him. I see hands going, I see hands going up all over this room. Hands going up. I see that hand. Just hold it up. I see that hand. I want to know that I know that I know Him. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I've asked Christ in my heart at some time in the past, but I've gotten away from Him and I've never really allowed Him into my life to lead me and guide me. And today, I want to yield to the, my Savior and now let Him be my Lord. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. I see that hand. We're going to sing one simple song and listen carefully. This is not a moment to, 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 to miss right here. This is a moment of opportunity to get it right for the, maybe the first time in all your life. We're going to sing one simple song. As soon as we began to sing, if you lifted your hand, I want you to come quickly into this altar. Let's don't miss this chance. Let's come right now. In fact, Michael, lead us.